G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Round 11 is nearly upon us, AFL fantasy coaches have plenty to figure out before we get into the last round before the dreaded buys are upon us. So we'll be fielding 22 players this week and then the following three rounds we'll be taking our best of 18. So hopefully you didn't get dealt too many curveballs at team selection. There are a few big names missing from the team sheets and a few questions that got fired my way on Twitter and Instagram. So without further ado, let me dive into all the relevant news after round 11 team selection. Starting on Friday night, we got the Tigers going up against the Kangaroos in Reece Shaw's first game as head coach, which could be interesting. We saw Callum Coleman-Jones omitted from the Richmond outfit. No huge surprise with Ivan Soldo coming back in. I did recommend CCJ as a potential draft uh, plug-in if he did hold his spot, but same could be said for Soldo if you're really desperate in the ruck department. Dan Butler and Trent Cochin are two other big ins for Richmond, and I was kind of surprised to see Shy Bolton hold his spot despite Butler coming in. So it'll be interesting for those who have Bolton to see what kind of role he and Butler play and who's closer to goal, who's further up the ground. For those who are wondering, Jack Zebel was named on a half-forward flank, so not what we really wanted. We would have loved to see him named on the ball or in the guts, but hopefully Reece Shaw can plug him back into the midfield and he can start scoring well. Dustin Martin was named in a forward pocket as well. So sometimes these teams can be taken with a bit of a grain of salt. There wasn't any other changes from North Melbourne's perspective. They're going in unchanged. So it be interesting to see what Reece Shaw's outfit dishes up in their first game under the new head coach. Next up, we've got the Giants and the Suns. For the first time, there's not really a lot noteworthy to talk about, but the first time I'm going to pay close attention to how Taranto, Cornelio, Whitfield and Kelly look. They all played together last week, and most of them scored pretty well, apart from Cornelio, but he's been named on the ball with Taranto, Kelly on a wing, and Whitfield named on a halfback flank. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of role those guys play. If you are a Cornelio owner, I know you're probably frustrated with what he's dished up recently, but hopefully he can get his shit together and can score well. I think, considering he's been named on the ball, we'll see an uptick in midfield minutes, but if he's pushed back down the forward line, it could be concerning, that's for sure. From the Suns' perspective, nothing really to talk about. Ben Ainsworth's going to miss a month of footy with an injury. Jared Harbrow's out as well. And in comes George Holland-Smith and Josh Schoenfield. So the next game on the slate is Collingwood and the Dockers. Dockers unchanged, which is great news for Brett Bewley. He's probably the pick of the bunch when it comes to downgrade targets this week, along with Oscar Baker. But if you do need a midfield bench plug and someone with around 12 by, then uh, Bewley is the best bet. Didn't score great in week one, but he did look pretty decent. I know he only had a 38, but when he was using the ball, he was using it well. So hopefully, clearly he's held his spot in the Dockers outfit, which is a good sign, but hopefully Ross Lyon will let him string a couple of games together. There was no ruck support coming in for Rory Lobb. I think they've been using Brennan Cox as a backup ruckman. So we could see Brody Grundy go huge again this week. He'll probably be another popular captain pick, and I can't really blame you. From the Collingwood perspective, team selection-wise, Dan Wells is out with his injury. And we saw Rupert Willis, Wills, not Willis, and Jack Madgen omitted with Varco, Dugowie, and Darcy Moore coming back in. So big ins for Collingwood, which could see them take care of the Dockers in Melbourne. Geelong and Sydney is the next game. And finally, we saw Patrick Dangerfield 
back in the team. I don't think there were many people out there who were stressing about it. We kind of expected it to happen, but it's nice to see that at least he's in the side. He will take Gary Ablett's place after he was suspended, and Darcy Fort was not really surprisingly, but omitted from Geelong's outfit with Asava Radagalia back in. Kind of sucks, because if Fort had have played, there's a very high chance that he would have got forward status, because he's been playing a lot of forward minutes, and it would have been a handy string to have in our bow for the buy rounds, but wasn't meant to be. It'll be interesting to see how that game unfolds. If you do have Tommy Atkins, it's probably not great news that Danger's back. Atkins has been named in a forward pocket, and I don't know if he'll go replicating his 96 that he had last week against Gold Coast. Could be worth fielding, and I'll dig into all the blokes and the rookies and what ranking and ranking them for who you should field and release that later on social media after the Sunday teams are announced on Friday. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Atkins can keep scoring at a decent enough rate to warrant starting him. I don't think he will, though. From Sydney's perspective, Jared McVeigh and Dan Menzel come in. Menzel going up against Geelong in his first game for the Swans. That'll be interesting. With Josh Kennedy and Jackson Thurlow, the two outs for the Swans. Melbourne and Adelaide clashing in Darwin is the next game. And unfortunately for Matt Crouch owners, we didn't see Matthew Crouch back into the... Adelaide outfit. It really does suck. Third game in a row now he's missed. We all expected it to be a one-week injury, and according to all the coaching staff down there, they keep saying, yep, he'll be back next week, he'll be back next week, but it hasn't yet happened, so he's alarming if you've held on to Matt Crouch. Considering he's, I think, around 10% of teams, if you do have him and you have held him this long, I think you've just got to persist. Hopefully, knock on wood, he should be back next week. But again, like we've seen, there's uh, no guarantees that that will happen. Gibbs has come back into the side along with Jenkins and Tom Lynch with Chase Jones, Riley Knight and Elliot Himmelberg omitted. Gibbsy named on the ball, so hopefully he can put up a decent score for maybe some people who own him in draft. On the other side of the ball, we saw Oscar Baker hold his spot, which is great news. He played pretty good against the Giants, so it's not a huge surprise. But Jay Lockhart is out with injury, which hurts a lot of coaches from a potential rookie cash cow perspective. I've never been a huge fan of Lockhart. I've made that quite clear. So I didn't believe that he could keep scoring at a high clip. So his omission isn't... Oh, it's not an omission. He's injured. But it doesn't really surprise me to see uh, him out. Hopefully, for the people who own him's sake, he can come back in. But yeah, don't go holding your breath. I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, stayed out of the side for a while. Hibbard, Mitch Hannon, and Christian Salem were the ins for the Ds with... Harrison Petty and Corey Wagner, who could also be a rookie in some teams. The other two outs. Brisbane and Hawthorne is the final game on the Saturday slate. Again, not a huge chunk of news to talk about from this one. Mitch Lewis comes back in for Hawthorne after being a late out last week. Jack Scrimshaw is out, which could hurt a lot of coaches with an injury. He's expected to miss quite a few weeks, so I'd go ahead and trade him out if you haven't done so. People were probably looking and eyeing off a move of downgrading him to Mitchell Hinge from the Lions, but he's been omitted from Brisbane's side, which is a little bit surprising. I thought he did well against the Dockers. Didn't light the world on fire, but did enough to maybe hold his spot. So if you did invest in him, I'd hold on to him and maybe see if he gets up throughout the buy rounds. But if not, it's probably worth flicking him out. He went out with Oscar McInerney, who's been managed, and Ryan Lester and Josh Walker. We saw Archie Smith included now that McInerney has been managed, so it'll be interesting to see what Smith dishes up. He's someone that I've had my eye on, and if he holds his spot in the side, he could be worth investing in, but he's probably just going to be a one-gamer until McInerney comes back. And then the other ends, Keys, Robertson, and Matheson, aren't really relevant from a fantasy perspective. 
Next game is the Shanghai Special St Kilda versus Port Adelaide. No outs on St Kilda's side of the ball, but Jaron Geary is expected to play. Hopefully, for those that own Robbie Young, he won't be the odd one out in that regard. And I think he'll hold his spot, but nothing's a certainty, that's for sure. On the other side of the ball, we saw Peter Laddams omitted, which wasn't a huge surprise if Scott Lysett was healthy, and he'll probably be the inclusion for him. But Tom Rockliffe has also been left out of Port Adelaide's side. He took the trip over to China and... It was about a 50-50 call. A lot of people thought he might get up. Some weren't as confident. I wasn't one of those confident people. And as a result, we've seen Rocky dumped, or not dumped, but left out of Port's outfit. On the AFL site, though, it does say that he isn't out yet. So just uh, keep your eye on that one. Although, considering the dodginess around his hamstring injury and the fact that they've got the bye next week, I'd be looking to move Rocky on. But I'll talk about that in a few minutes. Hopefully, we can see Rillam Drew take his spot. No certainty, but... There's a few coaches, myself included, that still held on to Drew, so fingers crossed he comes back into the side and takes Rocky's place. Essendon versus Carlton is the next game to be discussed, and there are a couple of big outs for both sides, but nothing really relevant from a fantasy perspective. Jake Stringer and Dylan Scheel aren't in a hell of a lot of teams, and they're the two outs for the Dons. We could see Dylan Clark, a 250k midfielder, come in for the Bombers, but I wouldn't really go trusting or investing in him, especially considering they've got the bye next week. We could see the debut of Irving Mosquito, though, who is a basement-priced rookie in the forward line. If he does get named, I would probably take a wait-and-see approach and wait one week because there's there's no certainty that he'll play after the round 12 bye. So if you bring him in, it could be almost a waste of a trade if he's not there around 13 and 14. But if he does well has the week off and then comes back in for round 13, he's a perfect downgrade target. On the other side of the ball, Cade Simpson, Dale Thomas and Mitch McGovern are the three outs for Carlton, three big names, and there's not really any relevant AFL fantasy blokes to come in. Will Setterfield has been included on the extended bench, so he could be worth it. And Angus Shoemaker is named, but I don't think he'll get up. You never know, though. He could happen, but I wouldn't go trusting him as a key position defender. He's probably not a bloke you want to be taking a chance on in fantasy. Final game of the round, we've got the West Coast Eagles and the Western Bulldogs going head-to-head. Ed Richards, Hayden Crozier, and Mitch Wallace are the omissions from the Bulldogs side, and we saw Ryan Gardner get drafted in the mid-season rookie draft on Monday night, and he'll play this weekend against the Eagles at Optus Stadium, so quick turnaround for Gardner, who was in Footscray's VFL side not too long ago. Riley West has also been named in the squad, but I don't hold a lot of faith for West keeping his spot on the uh, Bulldogs, in the Bulldogs' best 22. Shackey, Tory Dixon, Billy Gowers, Rourke Smith and Lockie Young were the other inclusions. Four of those guys have to go out, but I don't think West can be squeezed in there. On the Eagles' side of the ball, no one's been named out yet, and Jeddah, Braden Angsworth, Brandon Achi, and Josh Smith are the four inclusions. So I'd almost expect the Eagles to go in unchanged. So that's all the news from team selection-wise. A few big topics before I dive into some Q&A. The first one is, thank God, Dangerfield is back. I know that it hasn't really been a talking point this week and something that we all just assumed would happen, but seeing him named on a wing does ease the pressure for a lot of coaches. If you didn't 
hold Dangerfield, you traded him out, or you're a non-owner, I think it's wise to at least wait and see. He's got a high break-even, so see how he looks this round. Maybe he'll dip a bit more in price and you can get him in round 14 off his buy, but if he lights the world on fire, worst case, you can trade him in round 12 when it comes buy time. In Adelaide's outfit, really does sting for those owners that held him and maybe traded out Cornelio, because we thought Crouch, like I said, would be back really soon, but... He'll now miss his third game in a row against the D's, and it's a real tricky spot to be in. But if you've invested in holding him and you've waited this long, I think the smart move is just to keep waiting it out. And fingers crossed he'll be back in round 12 to take on the Giants. Finally, the last one, big news-wise, is obviously Tom Rockliffe being uh, left out of Port Adelaide's outfit, even though, <laughs> according to the website, that might not be true. Personally, I think with Rocky out this week, Round 12 buy coming up. He's guaranteed to miss the next two weeks. And even though we all expect and we all assume him to come back in round 13, the last thing you'd want to do is hold him and have him not in your side for two of the games throughout the buys. I think you can trade him to someone with around 13 or 14 buy, which I'll discuss when I get to my moves at the end of the pod. But yeah, I think it's wise to move on, Rocky. I can justify holding him if you've got plenty of bench cover and your buys are well-structured and balanced and you don't want to deal him out. By all means, there's nothing wrong with it. But you can still turn Rocky into something decent. So while you can, I think it's wise to move him on. Q&A time. Very quickly before I wrap this thing up. Mitch, AFL Fantasy Help, asks thoughts on Rocky to Whitfield and Hayes to Baker, which leaves him with 180k for next week. Or should he go Mills to Whitfield and Hayes to a 170k player with two grand in the bank? I think the first one is the way to go. Get rid of Rockliffe, get rid of Hayes and turn them into two dudes playing and save a lot of coin for the buyers next round. Jai Rosevier asks, Shoemaker, if his name, should we take a chance on him or risk it with Cummings? Seems to have his spot whilst Williams is out, which I suspect will be for a couple more weeks. I'd tend to agree. I think coming is a worthwhile investment. Shoemaker, like I said, I don't really trust. Key position dude. Probably not at the top of the pecking order at Carlton, so he could be a one and done even if he does come in. So for that reason, I think it's wise to not invest in Shoemaker and definitely take a chance on coming. Hopefully he can hold his spot. And again, there's no guarantees, but he's done enough to justify keeping in your side. Thomas Jeffries asked me via Instagram, should I trade out Rocky? Crips or Danger for Elliot Yo. I think this is a pretty easy one. Even though Dangerfield's status is a bit unknown and Crips is going down in value, Rockleaf is the one who's out, so he's got to go for Elliot Yo. Pretty straightforward question there for mine. Ben Billing also asks, he said he's stuck with his trade. Should he trade out Myers for McRae because he's only got five round 12 buy players or trade Rocky? But considering he's a round 12 buy player, should he hold on to him as well. I think the Myers to McRae move is a good idea. If you've only got five dudes with a round 12 buy, you want to maximize them in the latter rounds, obviously, but getting a few of them up your sleeve isn't a bad idea. Myers is someone who's pretty much topped out in value as well, so turning him into McRae is a pretty wise move while you have the chance. Dane Begovic asked on Twitter, Rocky not named out. Does that potentially mean he plays despite the coach's claims? Very weird one, not being named out on the website, but the coach and everyone else confirming he's out. So I don't see why that wouldn't happen. But yeah, it's definitely something worth, keep your, worth keeping your eye on. Last question. I'm going to compile two questions kind of into one here. Dan from Taz asked me, should he invest in Perryman for buy cover? And Neil Wright asked, arguably the question of the episode, is broadband worth the risk at D4 and 5? These type of dudes in the low 400 grand mark are potential hazards I guess you could say and someone and players that I like to kind of steer away from but that being said 
they come with a certain amount of risk, and if you want to take the risk, I can see why you would do it. Broadbent, in particular, has scored reasonably well since coming back into Port Adelaide's outfit. It is worth mentioning that he's played Gold Coast and a Hawthorne side that's pretty easy to score against, so for that reason, I wouldn't go expecting him to keep lighting the world on fire. My biggest thing is if you invest in these guys and then all of a sudden they start dishing up some pretty average scores, you can't flick them to anything noteworthy. The same can be said for Harry Perriman, the Giants defender. He went up against Carlton and Melbourne for his two good scores of 104 and 83, so I would advise not investing in those type of dudes. Getting caught with his middle-tier stepping stones is a good idea to maybe get rookies off your field, but it does come with some certain risks. So if I was a betting man, I would assume Perryman and Broadbent to return to 60s in the near future. So for that reason, I'd advise against getting them. That's going to do it for another episode. Thank you for tuning in. Good luck for round 11 and good luck for the buy rounds, which are nearly upon us. Make sure you use your two trades wisely in round 11 before the carnage, I'm sure, ensues for rounds 12 through 14. My trades this week, pretty clear cut with Will Hayes not coming back in. I'm turning him into Brett Bewley, which gives me the capital to turn Tom Rockliffe into Lockie Whitfield, who most likely will be my skipper on debut. So fingers crossed. He can go ham against the Gold Coast Suns. But that's going to do it for another episode. Again, thank you for tuning in. Until next time, peace.